Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. Gosh, what a privilege it is to get to be here this morning. I have not been in Riverway since um, April, and so sometimes I forget sort of what the etiquette is. So I took off my jacket, and I thought I'm going to be a little bit like Wesley today. I've never rolled up my sleeves before, but I'm going to go ahead and do that, just so that I feel a little bit more, I guess, hip, is what they say. Anyway, it is a a privilege to be here today. Many years ago, early on in my priesthood, I was studying under a a rabbi here in Houston, and he posed this question to me. He asked me, he said, what what does it mean to be a priest? So I presented to him a list about this long. And he said, but in all of that, what does it mean to be a priest? Obviously, my answer had been wrong. And he simply said this, we in our tradition, the Jewish tradition, believe that the role of a priest is to usher people, to usher people into God's presence. He said, everything that you gave me, as important as you think it is, it's really not. He said, your job is to usher people into the presence of God. Yesterday morning, I had the privilege of getting to do some baptisms over in our chapel. And of all the things that I get to do here at St. Martin's, the one thing that I love the most is baptisms because there's nothing that stops me in my tracks like a baby. And being able to hold this child, recognizing that she had been made in the image of God. That long before she was conceived, God knew her and he bestowed his plan upon her. And what is God's plan for this little child? It's the same plan that he has for you and for me. And the plan is this, that we be in a relationship with him. Throughout the ceremony, I could not help but think of that little baby and think about the life that God had in store for her, especially in the world that we live today. Nevermore are we in need of a village when it comes to rearing our children, especially when it comes to the church. I don't know about you, but um, my weeks can be rather hectic. And there's nothing like this day. There's nothing like a Sunday to get me back on track. Now, I'm not saying that every Sunday I come here with the right intentions. But what I will say is that I do come here to escape the world. One of the things that I love about our Anglican tradition is that when we worship in God's space, we close the doors, if even for a moment, to shut out the world. Because we believe in a jealous God. He doesn't want us to be distracted 
but rather he wants our attention to be on him. One of the things that I appreciate the most about our Anglican worship is the role of scripture, tradition, and reason. And much like the Trinity, you can't have one without the other. So much of what we do traditionally goes all the way back to the early church. And for me, the idea of worshiping in the present while being tied to our forebears from the past is significant. Scripture is our foundation in liturgy, music, and prayers. And reason helps us to answer the question, so what? As a little boy, I was captivated by worship. Going to church each day, I remember wishing that I could have more. There was a deep sense of belonging, both with God and with my community. Scripture was my favorite. Listening to the lessons being read, I remember how my imaginary would come alive. I would try to picture the scenes wondering what it would be like as a witness to Jesus himself while watching him heal and cast out many demons. Though asking questions was not encouraged, it didn't didn't stop me from engaging Scripture and asking the question why. Think about it for a moment. One of the greatest gifts that each of us has been given is the gift of reason. Reason is critical to who we are as human beings, and it is what makes us unique. To not engage this reason would be a misuse of our gift. Without reason, we would never achieve understanding, and understanding is what ultimately gives us the peace that we long for. When reading scripture, there are two things that I engage. One is my reason, and one is my imagination. I think about what is being said, and I try to imagine what is going on. And for a moment, if you would look at this window behind me, what we see is Jesus with a handful of little children. And from Mark 11, it tells us that Jesus said, let all the children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Now, in reading scripture, we can't help but see it in a linear view. There is much going on between the lines. We are encouraged to engage the text with both our questions and our imagination. According to this passage in Mark, Jesus' disciples have relegated the children to be behind the group of adults. Perhaps it is the first instance of cancellation. The kids had been canceled by the culture, and the disciples didn't question it. Jesus thought and did things differently. Rather than side with the culture, he charted a new path, a new way. In our gospel lesson today, what we see may not be the reality of what is going on. At first look, we see that Jesus had left that place where he was ministering and went away. But in many ways, it is much more complex. You see, the region of Tyre and Sidon were located miles from the Sea of Galilee, and the only way to get there was on foot. 
Jesus and his disciples had to walk miles to get to their destination. The terrain was rugged. And imagine what transpired during that time. Not only did he walk, but he had to stop to rest. He had to eat. He had to drink. And he even had to sleep. A little over a year ago, I took my third sabbatical. And for me, it was a time to stop and to be still and to listen. It was a chance to unplug and disconnect from the world as I knew it. It was a chance to pursue the voice of God. The Camino de Santiago is a 500-mile pilgrimage beginning in the mountains of France and ending at the cathedral of Santiago in Spain. Pilgrims have traveled the Camino for over a thousand years. One of the three great Christian pilgrimages, the purpose is to seek redemption. Pilgrimages are a form of self-reflection, and medieval Christians believed that by partaking in a pilgrimage, indulgences could be earned for one's sinfulness. Penance was often the reason that they were compelled to walk. Legend holds that James, the brother of Jesus, journeyed to Spain to preach the gospel. After returning to Jerusalem and ultimately martyred, his body was transported back to Santiago, where to this day his relics are revered. Now, the first day of my 33-day pilgrimage was by far more intense than I had expected. The weather was unusually cold, and along with the rugged terrain, the steep rise in elevation and low oxygen levels, the challenge was great. After nearly 12 hours, I stumbled into a 16th century monastery, and there to greet me was an 85-year-old monk. Cold, wet, and exhausted, I fell into his arms. Beat up and broken, I confessed my defeat. My son, he said, you have just accomplished the hardest day. Four times I've walked the Camino, and the last time was when I was 80. He said, you can do this. Focus on your steps and think of Jesus. He said, let go, lean in, and listen. Remember that for three years, Jesus walked that distance each day. He is with you. He offered me communion. He prayed over me and sent me on my way. Reflection, repentance, and restoration became my call. And as John the Baptist said, more of Jesus and less of me. Along the way, I met many pilgrims seeking their truth. One young man had been rejected by his family for being gay. Tormented with shame and guilt, he limped along seeking meaning and a reason to live. Another day, I walked with an 87-year-old man who was carrying a backpack full of rocks. The rocks, he said, symbolized his life of sin. This, he believed, 
was his pathway to heaven. I met cancer patients and cancer survivors, widows and divorcees, addicts and those in recovery, all who were seeking more. You see, these folks were on a mission to know God and to know themselves. Jesus walked. From the beginning of his ministry, he traversed Palestine by foot. And each step for Jesus and the disciples were steps in faith. Unsure of what was next, they trusted and believed. And as the ministry grew, his followers as well as his enemies increased. Walking allowed he and his disciples to rest, regroup, and replenish. Scholars believe that this movement was significant, a foreshadowing of what was to come. While in this foreign region, according to our gospel today, a woman desperate for help approached this band of Jewish renegades. Already at a disadvantage culturally and spiritually, she was not to be stopped. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented with a demon. Having heard of this, Jesus did not hesitate. She did not hesitate to approach Jesus. Despite being rebuffed by the disciples, she was persistent. She was more than a mother. She was a person of faith. Unfortunately, the disciples did not have time for her. They were following the rules. She was of a different race, a different religion, and a different language. She was not worthy of their time, and they were quick to dismiss her. Now, this was not the first time that they had encountered a foreigner. The Gentile centurion earlier in Matthew came to Jesus to have his servant healed. Asking for help, Jesus was astonished by his faith. And his servant was healed, even though he was not a Jew. You see, Jesus was different. He saw things in a way that got to the heart of the matter. This woman was more than her gender. She was more than her race. And she was more than her religion. She was a person with value who had a heart for God. Is it not fair to take the children's for food and throw it to the dogs? Jesus said. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly, for it was God's grace along with her faith that brought her into the fold. We live in a time where we have become more divided and polarized than ever before. Even in the church, we find ourselves unwilling to take a risk and ask for help. The walls of fear have crippled us and we find it easier to isolate than to be together. Civility has been lost. We are quick to speak and slow to listen. Divisiveness has become our creed and slander our prayer. 
many ways, God himself despised division. And his Trinitarian structure is proof to that. The last thing that he wanted for his people was to be divided. And yet this is what sin has done. His plan from the beginning was to bring all people together as one. And we see this in our gospel lesson today. Division was not a part of who Jesus was. The psalmist reminds us how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. It is like fine oil upon the head that runs down upon the beard. For there in that place, the Lord has ordained the blessing. Think about that. Unity is the source of God's blessing. And this is where he finds his delight. The Canaanite woman took a risk. She asked for help and she believed. Jesus did not dismiss her, but rather he saw her and he invited her into the fold. One of the things that I've learned is that, especially today, life can be really harsh. The pressures we face each day can be overwhelming. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it is easy to feel alone and isolated in a world that claims to be connected. There are days when we pray and we hear nothing but crickets. It is one thing to feel isolated culturally, but another thing when you feel isolated from God. Imagine how the Canaanite woman felt before Jesus himself showed up. In many ways, we are searching. We are no different than that woman who reached out to Jesus. We are looking to be seen We're looking to be valued. Our desire is to be connected, not just to God, but to one another. Even the most faithful struggle. And yet we are not alone. That's why we come to this place. That we carve that time out each and every week to get out of the world and to enter this place of peace. One of the things that I love to do when I read scripture is I try to find tools that will help me read between the lines. I love picture books and I love art. And recently I've been watching a series called The Chosen. And if you have not yet watched this, I encourage you to see it. Never have I seen anything like what is presented in this show because it literally takes Jesus off of the page of Scripture and they make him so real. And so today I want to share a clip from The Chosen, and specifically, it's a clip about Nathaniel. 
Go ahead. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Not hide your face from me. Do you see me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him, look at me. When you were in your lowest moment and you were alone. I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. Now, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what brought you into God's house this morning. One of the things that I take from that clip is something that I think that we can all relate to. There are many times when I spend time with God and I feel like I am not seen and I am not heard. And one of the things that I love about not only this clip from The Chosen, but also the story of the Canaanite woman that we read about today is that Jesus does see us. It may not be on our timing. And most of the time, it's in his. So today, I want to encourage you to be like the Canaanite woman. A woman who took a risk. A woman who asked for help and a woman who believed. Let us pray. Almighty and ever gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for this time that you've given us. Father, I thank you that you are here, and I thank you that you see us. Father, I pray that you would come and meet each of us right where we are, Father, pour out your spirit upon us and bless us, I pray. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.